وَإِذَا and when أُنزِلَتْ it was revealed سُورَةٌ أَسُورَةٌ and that آمِنُوا you all believe بِاللَّهِ in Allah وَجَاهِدُوا and you all strive مَعَ رَسُولِهِ with his messenger meaning a clear surah is revealed a clear command is given that people have to go out in the way of Allah striving with the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and basically this is referring to the expedition to the book meaning the command was not ambiguous it was very clear everyone was required to go what happened istadhanaka he took permission from you people started coming and taking permission from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam permission for what for staying behind and which kind of people came ulu tawli ulu possessors at tawli at tawl is from the root letters ta waw lam and tawl basically means length all right length so for example when someone's really tall the word tawil is used now the height of a person the length of something is that something temporary is that something temporary no it's not temporary Like for example, if a person is 25 years old and they're 5 feet 5 inches, for example, will they become 5 feet 9 inches by the time they're 26? Probably not. I mean, they've reached their maximum by that age, right? And are they going to become 4 feet? No. Maybe they will lose a few inches when they get older. All right, maybe one or two maximum, but we see that the height of a person, the length of something, is a permanent feature. It's a permanent characteristic. It doesn't change every day. Your weight might increase, decrease, but your height remains about the same. Correct? So ulul taul refers to people who are wealthy. meaning it's not just a phase of being rich but they've always been like this and it seems from their current state that they will remain wealthy for their whole life like for example some people are born into a family that is struggling financially so what happens they struggle 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 and eventually they meet a point where they are stable but then what happens there's always this fear that we might fall back again right some people their financial status is constantly fluctuating one year really good another year bad one job really good another job bad okay but other people they're constantly rich they're constantly wealthy because they have a stable source of income all right so ulul taul refers to who those who are known to be wealthy those who are known to be wealthy they have land they have orchards they have established businesses for many years and they've been like this for a while but these people they come and start making excuses before you and start taking your permission to stay behind waqalu and they said dharna leave us nakum ma'al qa'idin we will be with those who stay behind please leave us please let us be don't tell us to come along with you we want to stay behind earlier we learned that some of the hypocrites they said we don't have money if allah gives us we will spend hmm? and over here what do we see that those of them who do have money Again, they're coming up with excuses. We're too busy with our business. If we leave, it's going to collapse, right? We don't have time right now. Please let us stay. So some people, they blame circumstances, money, you know, time, family situation, health issues, this and that. But the problem is that the one who doesn't want to do something, he'll make anything an excuse. Right? the person who doesn't want to do something he'll make anything an excuse there's these verses of poetry in arabic in which it says that if cold bothers you and heat bothers you and the beauty of spring it distracts you and in the autumn again you're very cold then when are you going to gain knowledge when are you going to gain knowledge because if you think about it seasons are constantly changing In December you're saying it's too cold. In March, April you're saying, "Oh, I want to go out have some fun." In summer you're saying it's too hot. In the fall you're saying, "Oh, it's getting cold. I can't do it." Life is never perfect. Isn't it so? It's never perfect. There will always be something in your life that is going to be a test for you. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants that with those difficulties, with those challenges, we come up, we rise up, and we do what we have to. And the five daily prayers that teach us this lesson, doesn't matter whether you're sick, or you're traveling, or you have an exam, or you have people coming over, or you have to go over, it doesn't matter. The time for prayer comes in, and you have to pray, no matter where you are. So likewise, when it comes to mandatory acts of worship, فَرْضْعَيْن then with regards to that, we have no choice. And over here, remember that going to the battle was fardain. Everyone was required to go. But people came who had wealth and they started making excuses. It wasn't that there was a genuine reason, they just didn't want to. So when a person is insincere in his heart, then anything can become an excuse. Radu, Allah says they are pleased. Bi'an with that, yakunu, they should be ma'al khawalif, with those who stay behind. They're happy to be with those who remain behind. The word khawalif is very interesting. You see earlier we learned the word qa'ideen, khalifin, And over here Allah uses the word khawalif. Khawalif is the plural of khalifah. And who do you think khalifah is? Khalifah. Not khalif, khalifah. Who is she? The woman who stays behind. Because in battle, who would go? The men would go. Women would stay behind. Why would they stay behind? Because they would think that, oh, she cannot participate in battle. Why should she come? She's going to scream and make a fuss. Might as well leave her home. Right? So the women were not good enough to participate in battle. So what would be done? Women would be left behind. Allah says over here, they are happy to remain behind with the women. Now, for us it would be like, okay, what's the big deal? But for an Arab man, this is quite an insult. For an Arab man, this is a big insult. That he's being compared to who? A woman. A woman who is weak. So, رَضُوا بِأَنْ يَكُونُوا مَعَ الْخَوَالِفِ They're happy to stay behind with the women. This is what they like. And if you think about it, any time that we are excusing ourselves from doing what is important, what are we doing basically? We're happy that we should be losers. We don't want to admit that we're losers. We say, no, no, my situation is different. I'm not really a loser. But essentially, what are we behaving like? A loser. So, رَضُوا بِأَنْ يَكُونُوا مَعَ الْخَوَالِفِ وَالطُبِعَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ And their hearts were sealed over فَهُمْ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ So they do not understand. Meaning they don't even understand what they're doing. They don't even realize what they're doing. They're staying behind from such a great opportunity. Staying behind with the weak ones. What's going on? Lakin but al-Rasul, the messenger, walladina amanu ma'ahu, and those who believe with him, jahadu bi amwalihim wa anfusihim. They don't make excuses. What do they do? Whenever they're told, they get up, they strive in the way of Allah with their wealth and their lives. وَأُولَٰئِكَ And those, لَهُمُ الْخَيْرَاتِ For them are good things. خَيْرَاتِ Plural of خَيْرَةِ Good things in this life and also in the hereafter. Allah will grant them victory. He will grant them success. And in the hereafter, eternal blessings. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And it is those who are successful. Who? Those who make excuses? Who is successful? Those who strive. Those who do get the job done. Those who come forward and do the work. Right? Like they say, that if you just sit and do nothing, you're not going to lose any calories. You have to get up and do something. Making excuses is not going to help you lose weight. What is going to help you lose weight? What is going to help you get fit? What? Exercise. You have to move. You have to do something. But if a person makes excuses like, I'm too busy, or I'm too tired, and my knee is hurting, then are those excuses going to help them lose weight? Get back into shape? No. You could have a list of excuses, but they're not going to help. Who is successful? Those who do work. So there are two kinds of people who are mentioned over here. One, those who make excuses. Those who are hypocrite. So they're lazy when it comes to performing the prayer. They're heedless. They avoid good. Right? They have no interest in religion. And on the other hand, we have who? The believers. 
who strive in the way of Allah, who willingly spend their money and their time in the way of Allah, who don't stay behind, who go forward in every situation. Allah has prepared for them jannat in gardens, tajrimin tahtihal anhar, underneath which rivers flow, khalidina fiha, abiding therein eternally. And that is great success. So success comes with what? With work. How do you accomplish something? Because fawz is basically achievement. How do you achieve something? By just sitting there? No, by doing something, effort, striving, working. وَجَاءَ الْمُعَذِّرُونَ And on the other hand, the مُعَذِّرُون came. مُعَذِّرُون, plural of مُعَذِّر. And who is مُعَذِّر? The one who makes عُذْر. What is عُذْر? An excuse. An excuse because of which you prove yourself innocent, right? Or an excuse because of which you are allowed, you are exempted from doing something. And remember that an عُذْر could be genuine, it could be true, and it could also be it could also be false, right? Like for example, there is an exam and a person doesn't want to do it, so they pretend that they're really sick and they're coughing and you know they're pretending to shiver and they're like, I'm hurting a lot inside and they go to the doctor like that just so that they can get a doctor's note. Okay? And then they get the doctor's note and they give it to their teacher. Now, what was this? A false excuse. They weren't really sick. If they really wanted to, write the test, write the exam, would they show up? Yes, they would have. The real problem is they didn't study. And now because of that fear, they're getting all those chills. And they're feeling weak. If they had studied, if they had prepared, they wouldn't have this excuse right now. Right? But at other times, we see that a person really has a genuine excuse. Like really, he had studied, but now he's really got a really high fever, and on top of that, they don't have the strength to get up, and they're throwing up every few minutes. Now that is a genuine excuse. Okay? So mu'addir is who? One who offers an excuse. It could be false, it could be true. It could be genuine, it could be fake. Alright? Allah says over here that the mu'addirun came, meaning min al-a'rab from the Bedouins. A'rab is a plural of A'rabi. And A'rabi, A'rab refers to the Bedouins. Okay, remember that Arab is used for Arabs in general, but A'rabi, A'rab refers to those Arabs who lived in the desert, Bedouins. Alright? So, the previous ayat were about those munafiqeen who were inside Medina. Now this ayah specifically speaks about which ones? Those who came from? Outside Medina, from the desert. So they came, why? لَهُمْ So that it is permitted for them. What is permitted for them? Staying behind. So some of them, they came to the Prophet ﷺ, offered a genuine excuse or a fake excuse, just so that they would be allowed to stay behind from the battle of Tabuk. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ allowed them. Like for example, we learned that certain tribes, they came to the Prophet ﷺ and excused themselves from participating in the battle because they were suffering from a great deal of poverty. Alright? They were suffering from a lot of poverty and they said that really we cannot afford to go. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ allowed them to stay behind. But there were others who made up false excuses. Alright? But Allah says over here, they came and made excuses. Whether they were genuine or fake. But what else happened? Waqa'ada and he sat. Who? Alladina, those who kadabu, they lied to who? Allah wa Rasulahu. To Allah and His Messenger. Meaning some of them they didn't even bother to come to the Prophet and take permission in order to stay behind. They didn't even bother. What did they do? They were lying to Allah and His Messenger. What lie? that we are Muslim. They weren't actually believers. They weren't actually Muslim. They didn't actually accept Islam. Earlier they had come, showed their Islam, just in order to be safe. And now what happened? When they had to go for the battle, they didn't even bother to come and take permission. Allah says, سَيُصِيبُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Those who disbelieve among them, they will be struck by what? A painful punishment. Very soon. سَيُصِيبُ Very soon it will reach them. A painful punishment.
Now what do we see over here? There are three types of people. When any work needs to be done, there are three types of people. One, those who have a genuine excuse for not doing it. Genuine excuse for not doing it, for not being able to do it. So for example, there is a workplace. There is a person who works in a particular office. One morning, he calls in and he says, I'm really sick, I've got food poisoning, I can't come. He's really sick. He's actually got food poisoning. He has a genuine excuse for not showing up. Okay. There is another person, all right, who works in a different office. And he was partying late until last night. So what happened? He calls in at 9.30 and says, I'm stuck in traffic. Whereas where is he? He's still in bed. What kind of excuse is that? What kind of excuse is that? A false one. Alright. And there's a third person who doesn't show up, doesn't call in, doesn't send an email. He doesn't show up at all the whole day. And the next day he does the same thing. He doesn't show up at all. They don't even bother to inform as to why they're not coming. Did they decide to quit? Was there an emergency that happened? Nothing at all. They're just indifferent. They don't care at all. Like some people, when they come to class, right? If they're not able to come to class, they will call from before. They will take permission. Or if it was an urgent matter, they will let their in charge know. And there are others who don't show up, don't tell their in charge. If the in charge asks, everything okay? They're like, yeah, I was just busy, so I didn't come. Thanks for telling me. So there are three types of people, right? Now think about it. Out of the three people, who would you really excuse? The first one. Because they have a genuine reason. Right? And what happens that this person, when they're sick, the rest of the people, they're concerned about them. Their boss, even he's concerned about them. Right? And the second type of person, They make a false excuse one day, another false excuse one day, another false excuse another day. So what happens? Their boss says, I think you're too busy. Uh, maybe we'll let you go. We'll find somebody else to do the job. Right? Because a person who's always making excuses, what happens? They lose their credibility. They're not reliable anymore, basically. You ask them to get something done within a day, they don't do it within a week even. So what happens? You're like, I can't give you any more work. You're not reliable anymore. Right? And the third type of person who doesn't even bother to show up, then what happens? They're not even given a warning. They're just told, you're fired. Correct? So when this happens in worldly matters, what do we expect near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If in this dunya, which is much lesser compared to the akhirah, if this is the standard, then the akhirah, which is much, much better, What do we expect over there? That our false excuses will save us? That we don't even show up, we don't even give a reason, take permission, and we'll be forgiven? Allah says, سَيُصِيبُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ A painful punishment is going to reach them. Then Allah clarifies that yes, there are people who have genuine excuse. And who are they? They're mentioned over here. Laysa it is not. Ala dhu'afa upon the weak ones. Plural of da'if. Wala and nor. Ala al-marda upon the sick ones. Plural of marid. Wala and nor. Ala al-ladina on those people who la yajiduna who do not find ma yunfiquna that which they could spend. What is not on these three types of people? Harajun any blame. Meaning. They are not blameworthy if they're staying behind. If they're not going forth in the way of Allah. Because they have a valid excuse. They have a genuine reason. What are the three reasons mentioned over here? First of all, du'afa. Secondly, marda. And thirdly, الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ Now, du'afa, du'if, is one who has du'af. What is du'af? Weakness. And weakness could be physical, And it could also be mental. Right? A person could be physically weak and he could also be mentally weak. Now if a person does not have the strength to walk, he does not have that. He's born like that. He has that physical weakness. 
He doesn't have the strength to walk. He doesn't have the strength to uh, drive. He has that weakness. He doesn't have the strength to focus at all. He has a serious illness. Whether it is mental, psychological, physical. And because of that, he's not able to perform a certain act of worship. Is he excused? Yes, he is. So for example, if there is a person who has some mental illness and because of that, they cannot even communicate with another person. At Fajr time, are they required to pray Fajr? Are they required to pray Fajr? At Zuhr time, are they required to pray Zuhr? No. Why? Because they have a mental illness. You talk to them, they don't know what you're saying. You ask them something, they have no idea. They're just staring at the wall. They have no clue, nothing at all. Is this dhurf? Is this weakness? Yes. So do they have a valid excuse? Yes. Another person, they have a serious mental disorder because of which their body is also extremely weak. Are they required to fast in the month of Ramadan? They're not capable of doing that. Do they have a valid excuse for not fasting in the month of Ramadan? Yes. So this is dhurf. Alright? Another is who? Secondly, marda, marid. Now, dhurf, this is a permanent state. A permanent state. But marad, this is not a permanent state. It's a temporary state. You're sick. So for example, at dhuhr time, you're extremely sick. Are you required to pray dhuhr? Yes, you are required to pray dhuhr. But are you required to pray like other people are required to pray? Like doing wudu and standing up and praying? No. If you're really sick, you're not able to do wudu, what can you do? You can do tayammum. Right? If you're not able to stand, what can you do? The matter is made easy for you. You can sit and pray. Correct? So with sickness also we see that a person has a genuine excuse. The third is not having the means, financial means to go out in the way of Allah. So a person doesn't have money. Is he required to give zakat? If a person doesn't have money, is he required to give zakat? No. He's not required to. Right? So what do we see over here? That these three cases, weakness, sickness, and poverty, these three are valid, valid excuses for staying behind from the way of Allah. But remember that sometimes we think that we are too sick. Or we think that we are too weak. And that's not the case. We make ourselves too sick. And we exempt ourselves from doing what we are capable of doing even with that sickness. You know in Sahih Bukhari there is a whole chapter on what level of sickness does a person have to be suffering from in order to remain behind from Salatul Jama'ah, from praying in congregation. Meaning a sick person, he's allowed to stay at home and pray, a man. Okay, he's not forced that he should go to the masjid and pray in Jama'ah. But the question is how bad does that sickness have to be? Is it just a headache or is it something really serious? So this is a question, right? So Imam Bukhari, he mentions under that chapter a hadith in which we learn about the time when the Prophet ﷺ was near his death. And he was extremely sick. And he was very sick so he was not able to get up and go to the masjid and lead people in prayer. So he told his wife to go tell Abu Bakr to lead people in prayer. So what happened after a little back and forth, eventually Abu Bakr anhu, he came to the masjid and he led the people in prayer. And as he was leading, the Prophet ﷺ felt a little better. So he found some strength in his body. And what happened? He asked to be taken to the masjid. So the jama'ah is going on. And two men came, Abbas anhu and Ali anhu. And the Prophet ﷺ was taking their support. Taking their support. One on his right side, one on his left side. And he was walking to the masjid with his feet dragging. With his feet dragging. He walked to the masjid taking the support of two men. And he went and sat next to Abu Bakr anhu and performed the salah in jama'ah. With that high fever, extreme sickness, he wasn't even able to walk himself. He went and performed prayer in Jamara. He didn't allow himself to stay behind. And what do we do? 
What do we do? I have a stomachache so I cannot sit in class. Well, you can walk around. Why can't you sit? Sitting is easier than walking. Isn't that so? On the smallest thing, we exempt ourselves. We allow ourselves to stay behind. What are we doing? We're depriving ourselves. We are depriving ourselves. Haven't you seen people who have disabilities, but yet they will accomplish so much in this life? Just because they have uh, you know, uh, uh, a problem with their leg, they will not stay behind from participating in Olympics. Right? Just because they have a health condition, just because they have a mental disorder or some uh, physiological disorder, it doesn't mean they will not go on to study medicine and become a physician or something like that. They will still do it. And there is so many examples that we see of people with disabilities doing so much. Why? Because they don't let their disability stop them. And this is true. A person who wants to do something, then it doesn't matter if he's sick, if he doesn't have the money, if he doesn't have the strength, he will do what is important to him. And we learn about a companion, Amr bin Jamuh, that he wasn't able to walk properly. He was lame in one of his legs. And at the time of battle, he was told, you don't have to go. But what did he say? I want to enter Jannah limping. I limp now. This is how I want to enter Jannah. Why should I stay behind just because I have one bad leg? At least one works properly. I can still walk. Assalamualaikum. Uh, just two examples I wanted to bring up. One time my dad was really, really sick and he was getting up to go to work and I said, Dad, don't you have sick days? And he's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, can't you take one? And he's like, yeah, I can, but I can just go to work. And I'm like, no, you should rest and take one. So he didn't even want to take his sick day when he actually has one. So it just goes to show that if someone really wants to do something, they're going to do it that you will see this very common in the people who work. Right? Who work, what happens with them? That even though they're sick, they have a cold, they have fever, they will still go to work. They will have their big you know, coffee or their soup or whatever, but they will push themselves and they will do their work. And the other example is that university, like I see it all the time, people get deferred notes for exams, especially or tests, and then they defer their exams. Um, so the way it works in December is if you defer the December exam, you write it in February. And I see it all the time in February, like those students don't do well because they have a whole new semester with all new courses and then they have to study for a course that they don't even remember, like from two months ago, right? So yes. that's what they've gotten themselves into. Yes. So no matter how hard it is, push yourself and do it. Push yourself and do it. Because if you don't do it now, you'll have to do it later. And when you'll do it later, it'll be more difficult. And you know what happens? With your sickness, with your weakness, if you have something important to focus on, then dealing with your sickness becomes much easier. Isn't that so? Like for example, if your head is hurting, and you just sit down and you say, my head is hurting. My head is hurting. I can't do anything. Somebody's trying to talk to you like, huh? What are you saying? My head is hurting. But when your mom has her headache, does she have the luxury to sit like that? No. What will she do? She'll have a cup of tea or something and she'll say, okay, let me just start cooking. And what happens as she starts cooking and she starts doing laundry? Yes, she's a little slow, but what happens? It's easier for her too deal with it. Right? She can forget the pain when she has a greater cause. There's a man named Spencer West and he doesn't have um, any legs. He only has from his hips up. And he was able to climb Kilimanjaro in Africa all on his own. And then he did it once with, on, with himself and like a couple of friends. And then he did it again. He led a group of teenagers like from America and Canada and like it was just him leading them and like, he climb up Kilimanjaro with his hands. No legs. No, just from his hips up. Yeah. And the person who doesn't want to do it, even with two strong, healthy legs, what is he going to say? Um, my feet are hurting. I don't have good shoes. It's too sunny. I don't have good glasses. Right? When I get a nice hat, then inshallah I will 
think about climbing up this mountain. But you know what? If you want to climb up the mountain, you don't need those glasses, you don't need those shoes, you don't need those feet, you don't need anything. What do you need? That spirit. Right? What do you need? The willpower and determination. And when you have that determination, then it doesn't matter what weakness you have, you will still do it. So over here Allah says, لَيْسَ عَلَى الضُّعَفَاءِ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرْضَى وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ حَرَجٌ But if, because of this weakness, someone is not able to go forth in the way of Allah, there is no harm, they are not to blame, they are not committing any sin, but there is a condition. What is that condition? إِذَا when nasahu they are sincere lillahi for allah wa rasuli and his messenger they have to be sincere to allah and his messenger meaning even though they're behind they shouldn't be rejoicing oh we got to stay behind alhamdulillah for this bad leg no you have to be sincere and that sincerity means that you do whatever is within your capacity even though you're home even though you're not going with the rest of the people you still do whatever you can. And you're sincere. You want the best for the Muslims. مَا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنْ سَبِيلٍ There is no weight of blame against who? Against muhsinin, those who do good. وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ And Allah is forgiving and merciful. So the fact is that every person has been granted some skill, some special ability, and that he has to use in the way of Allah. Right? He has to use that in the way of Allah, whatever it may be. And remember that if you have less of one, you will have more of the other. Hmm? If you are not able to perform really good in one aspect, you have more strength in another aspect of your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created anyone completely deprived. The other day I received an email about this organization where some blind people had basically organized a lunch for people who could see. Right? And they had said that this lunch you're going to have in complete darkness so that you can experience what blind people go through in pitch dark. So what happened? They explained to them from before that this will be on your right, this will be on your left, this will be in front of you. And the jug which is like this has this in it. And the jug which is which is like this, feels like this, has this particular drink in it. And this is how they were made to eat. Just so that they could experience how blind people live. Now for the people who could see, they were struggling a lot. Because in the darkness, I mean, they were struggling, but the people who were blind, who were actually organizing the whole event, imagine, they were the organizers. They were perfectly fine. So I was thinking over there, that yes, the blind people, they're not able to see, but alhamdulillah, their other senses, they're much sharper. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them stronger in other ways. The way we rely on our eyes, of course, they don't. But they have other skills that are much stronger, much sharper than ours. Right? So this is a reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has strengthened every person in one way or another. So what is our job? That if we find ourselves weak in one way, we don't settle with it. Don't settle with it. Many times it happens, a person says, I have a husband, he's very picky, he's very particular about his meals, I can't go out of the house much. Why are you settled with it? Why are you settled with this in your life that you're not going to do anything? Okay, he wants his food on time. Make sure that he's got his food on time and the whole day is yours then. When he's at work, do whatever you have to. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. I was just thinking what I when I was reflecting when people said that the people with disabilities, I think it's mostly that they have their priorities straight done. That they know that, okay, like for example, when we have an exam the next day and we have to go somewhere, we make sure we bring our notes with us to wherever we're going because we know we have to write the exam. We'll make the means for us to study so that we go to the exam the next day. We'll sleep early or whatever. We'll make it work. So the people who have their disabilities, they know that, for example, that I have to do this. I have to eat. So how will I do this? And I remembered how you said the example before, how there was a blind sister who did the whole Talim quran course, right? And she did that by listening to the recordings because she knew I had to do this. So I'll find a way to do it. Yeah. So I think our priorities aren't right. And when we're put in that situation, then we somehow get our priorities right. Yes. 
Um, in my college, um, we were um, having a discussion about disabled people. So um, our teacher made us into groups, and then we have to um, do a debate on it. So when we were discussing, all of this, and our teacher came and she said that you guys are using disabled person, disabled person, disabled people again and again. Don't call them disabled. Call them people with different abilities. Yes, that's true. They have different abilities. Because if you think about it, we disable ourselves despite having the ability. And they don't accept that, that they are deficient in one way. No, they have different abilities. Okay, if my eyes don't work, I have better ears and a better sense of space and everything around me. Right? Wala and nor. Allah upon Alladina those who Idama Atauka. That when they come to you, لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ So that you provide them with amount. تَحْمِلَهُمْ From حَمَل حَمَل is what? حَمَل To carry. Right? A load. So لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ They come to you so that you give them something on which they can mount. In other words, they come to you for means of transportation. They say that we are willing to go with you for this expedition, but we don't have anything to go on. We don't have a camel, we don't have a horse. So if you have, could you please give us? So those people, they come to you, and قُلْتَ you say, لَا أَجِدُ I do not find ma that which أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ I can provide to you as a mount. I don't have anything to give you. Now this happened. Abu Musa anhu reported that my friend sent me to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, asking him to provide them with mounts as they were going along with him in Jaish al-Usra, meaning to the book. And I said, O Messenger of Allah, my friends have sent me to you so that you may provide them with mounts. The Prophet وسلم, he was very upset at that time because people were coming up with excuses one after the other. So he thought this is also an excuse. That you're not going to use your own animals and you're coming to me asking for baytul mal. So the Prophet ﷺ said, By Allah, I cannot provide you with anything to write on. By Allah, I cannot provide you with anything to write on. I don't have anything, so don't ask me, basically. And it so happened that Abu Musa, he was really hurt, and so were his friends, because they really wanted to go. They honestly wanted to go. But they were poor. They didn't have the means. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ wondering if there were any donations. So they were asking, do you have anything? Could you provide us? And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, قُلْتَ لَا أَجِدُ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ So what happened? تَوَلَّوْ They turned, meaning those men who came to the Prophet ﷺ asking, they turned back, وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ And their eyes تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ Overflowing with tears. They were crying. They so badly wanted to go, but they didn't have the means. Hazanan, out of grief. Allah yajidu, that they do not find ma yunfiqun, that which they could spend. So some are people who make false excuses, who say, we cannot go because of this reason, because of that reason. And there are others who have a genuine excuse, and despite that, they try to go. They try to obey Allah. And when they are not able to, they are sad and they cry. So for such people, Allah says, they are not to blame. They are not sinful if they stay behind. You see, sometimes you have the sincere intention to do something. And you really want to do it. And you try. But you're not able to do it. And you ask others for help also. But you don't get that help. You don't get that support. But in your heart, you're still crying. I want to do this, but I'm not able to do it. So what should you do? Should you just accept that whatever, I cannot do it? No, you keep striving. You keep asking Allah. And you cry before Him, like you cry for money, for other things. Cry before Him to give you the opportunity to do khair. So what happened with these men? The Prophet ﷺ, he called them back. Abu Musa, عنه, him and his companions, he called them, and the Prophet ﷺ, he provided them with multiple camels, about six, in order to use to go to the book. So those companions, they were overjoyed. Before they were crying with this realization that we're not going to be able to go. Think about it. Someone who really wants to go somewhere, but they, they don't have the means. 
Like for example, everybody is going but the ticket is $1,500 and you realize, I don't have $1,500 to spare and I can't go because I don't have those $1,500. So some people cry because they're not going to Disney. Right? And others they cry because they're not going to be able to go for Umrah. But do they just accept? Oh, not in my qismat. And they say, whatever, I can't go. No. They keep asking Allah. They keep begging Allah. And it doesn't matter how long it has been. They keep asking Allah. And one day, Allah fulfills their wish for them. And if it doesn't happen today, inshallah for that niyyah, Allah will reward them. I remember growing up, there was this maid in our house. And from the first day she came, she used to say, take me for hajj, take me for hajj. I really, really want to go for hajj. So the poor lady, for years and years, everybody tried to get her some ID card made, to get passport made. That in Pakistan, there was no way of even getting her ID card made because even her birth was not registered and she was in her 60s. So how are you supposed to get a passport made for a person who's like that? But anyway, everybody struggled and strove to get her passport made somehow to take her for hajj. Allahu alam if she was ever able to go or not. But what I remember is that that woman... She terribly, terribly wanted to go. She didn't settle with this fact that I'm just a maid in somebody's house. How am I ever going to go? No. She knew there is a house of Allah. People go there for hajj. I want to go there too. Some people cry. They die to go to America. Right? They die to go to the UK or something like that. But others, their goal, their burning desires that they want to go in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they cry if they're not able to. They spend willingly in the way of Allah whatever they have. And if they don't have it, they cry. They wish they could have it. So Allah says, if they're not able to go, no blame on them. إِنَّمَا sabilu, Indeed the way, meaning the way of blame, is against who? عَلَى الَّذِينَ يَسْتَأْذِنُونَكَ On those people who take permission from you. وَهُمْ أَغْنِيَاءُ While they're rich, while they're wealthy. أَغْنِيَاءُ Plural of غَنِي Meaning they have the means, yet they make excuses. رَضُوا بِأَن يَكُونُوا مَعَ الْخَوَالِفِ Again, Allah repeats, they're happy to stay behind with the women. وَاتَّبَعَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ And Allah has set a seal upon their hearts, فَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ So they do not even know. They do not even know. What do they not know? What they're missing out on. There are others who are crying to get that opportunity. And these people, they have every opportunity to go out, but they're not availing it. If only they knew. They don't know. فَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ They do not know. So you see how much of a difference knowledge makes? How much of a difference knowledge makes? If a person knows the value of something, he will do anything to get it. He will do anything to do it. And on the other hand, if a person does not know the value of it, then even if it's given to him for free, he's not going to take it. He's not going to benefit from it. So this is why it's necessary that we use our mind you know, to understand the religion of Allah so we really realize what is important and what is not. We know what is beneficial and what is not. So this life that we are only going to live once is spent in doing something useful. Not in trying things out and wasting time and wasting opportunity. Rather, every opportunity we avail. But it comes with knowledge and understanding. Recitation. وَإِذَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَجَاهِدُوا مَعَ رَسُولِهِ اسْتَأْذَنَكَ أُلُوا الطَّوْلِ مِنْهُمْ وَقَالُوا ذَرْنَانَكُمْ مَعَ الْقَاعِدِينَ رَضُوا بِأَنْ يَكُونُوا لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ 
So with this we complete our 10 juz. Alhamdulillah. What's the main lesson that you have learned from the 10 juz? Yes. We have no excuse for not um, putting forth our effort, our time, our skills. Uh, there's others who have so much more, who have so much less than us, who haven't had Islam as long as we've had, who don't have the knowledge and opportunities that we do, um, and yet they're completely surpassing us and doing so much more than we do. Yes. So we have absolutely no excuse to not do anything. Yes. That with knowledge, really, a person has no excuse. No excuse at all. In a hadith, we learned that towards the end of time, the Prophet ﷺ said, he was addressing the companions, in your time, there are more people who do amal and less people who talk. More people who do amal, meaning who do what they're supposed to, and there are very few speakers, very few orators. But a time will come when this will be reversed. That there will be many people who talk, who speak, many orators, but very few who actually do amal. He said, when it comes to you, meaning he was addressing the companions, if you leave even a tenth of what you know, a tenth of what you have knowledge of, if you don't do amal on it, you know that you'll be doomed. But a time will come when if the people will act on even a tenth of what they know, hopefully they will be saved. You understand? That how a time will come when people will have a lot of ilm, but they will not do much amal. But those who have ilm, even if it's a little, if they act on even a fraction of it, hopefully they will be saved. So what is our responsibility? That with the knowledge that we're learning, hmm, then just that we have learned, what should we act on? At least a tenth of it. If not all of it, at least a tenth of it. Because then there is no excuse. If a person doesn't have ilm, okay, he has a reason. But the person who has ilm, he doesn't have any excuse. So don't give yourself an excuse. You know who allows you to do something or not do something? You yourself. You are your judge. You are your leader. So it's up to you. What do you tell yourself and what do you excuse yourself from? The responsibility lies on you alone. Diego, you want to say something? I want to share something. 
during all of these, uh, this course, I learned many lessons. And when recently you were talking about, like, uh, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what we really want. And if I really, if we really focused on that thing, we really long for that thing. Yes. So believe me, when I joined this course, I came here for, to give the entrance test for this course. And I heard that there are 300 students uh, more than 300 students probably who were the candidates to uh, for the enrollment of this course. And it's really difficult and probably um, the administration had to pick and choose. So believe me, I got so much like worried and I was so overwhelmed with this fact that, I mean, whether I'm not going to accept it, I mean, what should I do if I'm not? And I just prayed and prayed and I was just hopeful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I was saying, Allah Ta'ala, that this is probably my only opportunity to learn Quran in this institution. I mean, this is a great blessing that we have this, this opportunity here in Canada. So, and when I got the email from the administration that I got admitted, it was a time like that I actually thanked Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and I said, yes, what I wanted, he always, he always gives me, actually. It's not that uh, I, I pray for something and he doesn't give me. It's, it never happens, believe me. And second thing that... I mean, there are many lessons. It's just like that I cannot encompass all of the lessons that I learned during this course and just in one discussion. But for me, for a moment, failure is a word that is unknown for a moment. If he doesn't succeed, apparently, even then, if he has trust on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he thinks that it's better for me. There is something best for me in the future that Allah saves me from some kind of hardship or anything. Generally, we say that where there is a will, there is a way. So for a moment, there is always a will to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ways will come. I mean, he automatically makes ways for you. I want to share with you that one day in the summer, in a very hot summer in Canada, in July, we have very tough summer in Canada. I generally go to say Juma prayer and I was like confused that whether I should go or not because the AC of my car wasn't working at that day. And it was very hot. And my husband called me from the office and he's asking me, are you going? And I said, no, I'm thinking about to miss Juma this time because it's really hot and my, the AC of my car is not working. And he said, you just go and you will see that clouds will come for you. He was just joking. And believe me, believe me, I just got prepared for Juma and I went out and clouds did come. <laughs> and it was all the, till the time I got back home, it was cloudy and it, there was a light drizzle also. So I mean, uh, you just make your way and if you really want to do it, you will do it. Yes. And don't think that there is some hardship or difficulty. If you face any difficulty in your way, you will get more reward for that. Yes. So that should be the belief of a woman. Thank, Thank you so much. Jazakumullah alaikum. Um, there's many things that, of course, we, we've learned along the way. But I think one of the main things for me was just a reminder that to put things into perspective. Dunya is dunya, but akhirah is waiting for us. And sometimes we get so caught up into the day-to-day -day things that we tend to forget that we will return to Allah. So for me, that was the main lesson that I've learned throughout this journey. It's just putting things into perspective and prepare. Prepare for tomorrow because it will come. It will come. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh